This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. We're back to our regularly scheduled or or at least somewhat appearing regularly on your podcast feed episodes of Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. I might give up numbering the episodes because now I'm all thrown off after Devin and I did mini episodes every day last week for National Dairy Goat Awareness Week. I hope you're able to check those out and enjoyed them. Uh, maybe I'll have Devin back as a guest once in a while if I can convince him to do that. Um, this I'm going to try to release this podcast episode on June 21st, which is the one-year anniversary of starting the podcast last year. Which, I, where does the time go, guys? It's crazy. Um... I know I had a little bit of a lull there in the podcast production last fall. I feel like I've kind of figured out what works for me now, and hopefully you guys are still tolerating me mostly recording in the truck because that's when I have time to chat to myself about goats, <laughs> uh, especially during the summer because it's super busy uh, with the farm and with the practice and all the stuff that I do, so... Um, when I'm in the truck, I might as well be doing something useful. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, uh, you can find me online and get in touch. I'm spending more time on Instagram these days at goat underscore doc. Uh, the website is goatdoc.com. If you want to get in touch, you can li- click on the contact tab at goatdoc.com or you can email me at goatdoccara at gmail.com. Uh, if you haven't already, and if you're a regular listener, or if you're a new listener and you like it, it's awesome if you will uh, go to Apple Podcasts. That is, I think that's kind of like generally where people listen when I look at the analytics and also like the Google one. Um, anywhere where you can rate and review the podcast, that's great and it helps other people find it i think i'm oh you know what there's a there's a podcast there's another podcast about goats out there um from like purdue uh there are little quick episodes about goat related things by a i think a cooperative extension person at purdue and um I listened to a couple of those. I use Stitcher to listen to podcasts. I started doing that, like, years ago, and I've stuck with it because, I don't know, I have, like, this whole list of a billion podcasts that I listen to sporadically, and um, so I don't want to transfer that list to Apple Podcasts. And so some, some of the podcasts come up on Apple Podcasts, but not on Stitcher. 
and I've had it started to like amass a collection of podcasts on Apple Podcasts that I can't get on Stitcher. So if you guys are not on Stitcher and you make a podcast, it's I think it's easy. My my podcast hosting just puts it on there for me. But all you have to do is like give them your RSS feed and they'll be on there. So yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So I guess I. I've been saying this spring, you know, there's some stuff going on. I'll share about it hopefully more in the coming weeks and uh, be posting more stuff online because some visual aids are going to be helpful Um, and probably going to do like Instagram TV, some stuff there. I've just got to find time to do all the things that I want to do. It would be nice if sleeping was optional. But I think that's all the, like, podcast first anniversary and housekeeping usual stuff that I need to talk about. So I'm going to get into the topic of the episode, which I've been, like, mulling over in my head for a while that I should have an episode about this. And the topic is going to be, uh, like, stuff you should have on hand if you are a goat owner. And I may be forgetting some things, and let me know if there's something that I didn't talk about that you think is really useful to have. I, I was making this list and realizing that the, the line of, like, being a vet and a goat owner has really just, like, blurred for me, like, what's normal things that like a a goat owner who is not a vet should do (laughs) versus what a vet should do um and you know talk with your vet about what they think you should have too some of these things are prescription required or should only be used under direction of a vet because of the rules regarding extra label drug use in food producing species so um I'll try to not go off on a tangent too much there when I get to that thing. Anyway, this is like first aid and medical things you should have on hand when you are a goat owner. As always, this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR, veterinarian-client-patient relationship with your local vet. In thinking about this podcast, like, what is the stuff you should have on hand for your goats? I also was thinking about, like, what are common goat emergencies and, and like, things that should be addressed before you can get a vet out. And this is can be dependent on where you live and, you know, what your relationship is with your vet, too. Um, so... As I say at the beginning of every podcast, part of having any animal is being a responsible pet or livestock owner uh, should be having a relationship with a vet because there are animals that go through their whole lives without problems, but there are also animals that don't get anywhere in their lives without having a million problems. And having someone that you can communicate with and help treat those problems is important. The veterinarian-client-patient relationship 
I'm, I'm trying to try to not talk too much about it right now, um, but it's it's an important thing. Like I for all species, um, I've done a lot of work in different settings, small animal, large animal. I mean, I say a lot. I graduated in 2016, so it's been a little bit more than three years. Um, but I've exposed myself to a lot of different situations and practices and like by myself on the road with other doctors in the clinic by myself in the clinic working at vaccine clinics all kinds of things and um like when you have animals and you have someone who knows your animal and can help you with your animal that is something that if you care about your animal is very nice so having a relationship with a vet is an important part of like what do I do in this problem situation with the vet that uh, a VCPR wasn't even on my list and that's the first thing that I'm talking about uh, so yeah like have have a vet you can call I think goat people tend to maybe be a little snobby about vets and be like, vets don't know anything about goats. Meh, meh, meh. Um, and that is frustrating from the perspective of a vet who is very happy to see goats. So, yeah. Um, try, try to find a vet that likes goats or at least will see them. And try to be nice to the vet. I see a lot of vet bashing in goat groups online. It bums me out. It makes me less likely to say helpful things when people ask questions. Dot, dot, dot. Anyway, I'll get off of that topic and soapbox. Probably have annoyed people now. Um, things to have on hand for emergencies. Like I said, thinking about emergencies. What kind of emergencies can goats have? Um, so trauma is like always a possibility uh, for an emergency uh, wounds from attacks from animals whether it's like the neighbor's dog or you know like a mountain lion or whatever it may be when you are um, depending where your location is and people listen to this podcast from all over the world so you probably have predators that I don't even think about um, probably most commonly is like a dog attack though uh, what do you need on hand for that? Bandage material is good to have. Um, so I like gauze, like 4x4 four four gauze, which for me comes in like big sleeves. Um, I would try to find like some kind of wholesale place or, you know, animal supply for this stuff because it is super expensive in the human pharmacy. Um, so like 4x4 four four gauze, which is really good for like cleaning wounds and dressing wounds, um, just nice to have it generally pretty cheap um and i like soft roll gauze that's like cast padding to bandage things um almost no matter what i bandage there's usually some padding involved to help me shape the bandage the way i want and make it stay on there better uh bandaging tape so it's just like regular cloth tape is the stuff that i like um, and cling gauze, so that can come in different varieties. I like the brown stuff that tears and is cheaper, and it comes out of um, 
like if I cast something and I put the fiberglass casting on the brown gauze, it comes apart easier later than the white gauze, which has some kind of synthetic something in it. So the brown cotton clean gauze is what I like for that. Um, vet wrap or some kind of self-adhesive stretchy bandage is nice to have. Um, and I uh, like fiberglass casting is nice to have, but I all of like make sure you know what you're doing with casting um, and bandaging. Uh, if you're a horse person, like a lot of my bandagings especially limbs skills came from growing up with horses so if you're a horse person you probably are already pretty good at bandaging and wrapping things um so yeah that uh that is that stuff so bandaging stuff um other like trauma related things uh some kind of cleansing solution uh so like a a surgical scrub and or rinse so there's kind of like two major like ingredients that those come in and people like different ones so there's like the iodine like the povidone iodine family and then there's the chlorhexidine family i'm a chlorhexidine kind of person there's things that you have to use iodine for like dilute dilute iodine for like eyes and things like that um but i really like chlorhexidine um the iodine typically is uh, betadine, and that comes as a surgical scrub and a solution. So having both of those on hand is kind of nice. Uh, chlorhexidine also comes as a scrub, which is usually 4%, I think, and a solution, which I think is 2%, but I might have those reversed. Um, so those are good for cleaning and sanitize, like disinfecting not, I mean, it's technically not sanitizing, um, and, um, dilute, diluting the solutions, the, the iodine, betadine solution, or the chlorhexidine solution, so those are, like, liquid without a soapy component, um, diluting those out can be nice for like flushing wounds and cleaning things on an ongoing basis so i like those um let's see what else have i got on here um other things that can be like sequela to wounds swelling pain um pain management for animals in general but food animals in particular is limited um we've basically got a couple of NSAIDs uh which are non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and that's kind of it as far as what we're supposed to use which is frustrating um having said that like inflammation an NSAID is an important part of a pain management plan. Cutting down the inflammation related to some kind of wound or trauma is important. So for me, in ruminants, uh, meloxicam and flunixin are the two big uh, anti-inflammatories that I will use or have clients use. And either of these is only available by prescription from your vet. Uh, I, I pick different, like, I pick banamine over meloxicam for different reasons. Uh, banamine is an injectable, um, and 
uh, meloxicam typically I will either dispense or prescribe tablets to be given orally uh, and my my reasoning for picking an NSAID depends on the patient and how long I think they're going to need one of those things but those are something that you have to get from your vet and you should talk with your vet when you're using them especially if your animals are making food or if your animals are going to be food because those are medications that have drug withholding times as far as I gave a dobanamine after a really hard kidding or whatever, how long is that going to show up in her milk? So you must talk with your vet about NSAIDs. And then, like, there's other stuff for pain, but we're quite limited. Uh, that's I will sometimes, for clients that I have good relationships with and... Uh, that I know and have ongoing relationships with, like have them have some of that on hand. So if they have something that's painful and I can't get there that day or I can't get there, you know, that week that that animal can get something on for pain management because the animal shouldn't have to be in pain just because I'm busy. Um, other things for trauma and wound management... I'm probably going to get on a little bit of a soapbox about this. Um, people really like to put stuff on wounds. I've started to record an episode about wound management a couple of times because I love wound management. I love fixing a laceration. I love, like, fixing nasty old wounds that need special handling to close right. Um, the, the body's ability to heal is super amazing. But the one product, if I could get everyone to throw this one product in the trash can, I would thank you and your vet would thank you because I've never talked to a vet who likes blue coat. I like, oh, there's, I can't think of anything that I like that stuff for. Um, if you don't know what blue coat is, it is a aerosol spray that has like gentian violet and something else in it. And I think people like to use it because they like to feel like they're doing something. I think it's supposed to have some antiseptic properties or something like that. But really what it does is it makes a big old mess on a wound and if I try to come fix a wound after blue coat has been applied it makes my job harder uh, because blue coat like it like dries up the tissue makes it icky and I have to clean it up and everything turns this blue purple and ugh, it's a mess so there I, I can't think of one thing that I like blue coat for I'm going to be perfectly honest what I do like is a product called Alluspray which is an aerosol uh, barrier spray that's aluminum and if you've seen pictures of like my goat kids on Instagram after being disputed or um, like I'll spray like a surgery site with it after like a wound repair or a c-section or whatever when it's closed I'll spray alley spray over it and it's silver and shiny and it's just a barrier and it washes off easy 
and it is safe for food animal use. Uh, gentian violet, I think, is somewhere in the Farad list of things like you're not really you try to you're supposed to try to avoid using in food animals. So that's another check in the in the no go for um, blue coat. Besides just being obnoxious and annoying. <laughs> Um, so if you take one thing away from this podcast today, it is you'll make your vet happy by throwing away your blue coat and ordering a bottle of value spray. So that is my preferred topical thing for like superficial wounds, um, covering surgical sites, things such as that. Um, let's see other things to have on hand. Um, I don't think it's a terrible idea for people to have a broad spectrum antibiotic on hand. Um, there are still a couple over the counter things available. Uh, in Maine, you can go to Tractor Supply and buy a bottle of procaine penicillin, which is penicillin, and you can buy a bottle of uh, what's commonly called like LA200 or biomycin, which is oxytetracycline. So, those are two different classes of broad-spectrum antibiotic. Having said that, uh, if you buy either of those things, you will look at the label and realize that there is no labeled dosing for goats on either of those things, which means that either of those medications is falls under what is called extra-label drug usage. And that means that that kind of drug usage is only supposed to happen under the supervision of a vet. So if you have those things, which I'm not, again, similar to the NSAIDs, I, with my clients, I'm not opposed to you having them. If we have a relationship and I've been out to your place and some of my clients have a whole bunch of animals and I'm out there on a monthly basis or whatever, and they say this thing has a fever and it's doing this and I get this call and it's nine o'clock on a Saturday night and you're an hour away from me. If you're my client and I was just there last week, I am very likely to say, okay, do you have X? Go ahead and give it. And then let's regroup in the morning because we don't want to be out there at midnight. And that is another valuable part of having a VCPR. Your vet may feel differently. I can't emphasize this enough. And if I was at your place one time two years ago, I am unlikely to feel comfortable giving that kind of advice. This is, and this applies to small animal too. The, having a relationship with your vet, I, I would like people to view me as a partner in their animal's health. I am here to help you with your animal. Um, it's really interesting to me the societal view of vets in that like people really seem to want to avoid us and it bums me out because I am here to help you with your animal. Um, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent again. Um, other, so yeah, so having those broad spectrum antibiotics under the guidance of a vet that use of that extra label drug use of those antibiotics is permitted 
And the concern about extra-label drug use of antibiotics, and it should be under the supervision again, is again because, for a couple reasons, because we are trying to protect the food supply. We don't want antibiotics showing up in something that people are going to consume. And also because, like, there's growing concern about antibiotic resistance in the world in general. We have limited numbers of things that we can use to kill bacteria. And you've probably heard of like MRSA and C. diff, which is Clostridium difficile. And those are like a couple of examples of bacteria that are of human health importance because if people get sick from them, it's really, really, really hard to kill those bacteria. And we're running out of things to kill the bacteria. You can't just show bacteria a like what you got for weapons you have to be be have like what we call judicious antibiotic use um maybe not like your weapons but maybe it's more like playing poker i don't know if i don't know how to play poker really but so tell me if i'm wrong but it's like you don't want the other player to know what cards you have because you want to beat them and you want to be the one with like the really good poker hand and if the bacteria is your opponent and they haven't seen your poker hand and then they're bluffing then you can annihilate them with a really good hand or a really good antibiotic but if you let them have a little peek and then they're like oh i can see that and i know what it is i'm gonna change what I'm doing so when you try to kill me with that I'm not going to die I'm going to only get stronger I should have a whole episode talking about antibiotic resistance I'm super paranoid about it in all the species that I see and sometimes you know it can range from like antibiotic resistance can range from like frustrating and expensive to life threatening and probably expensive so that's why I've gone off on talking about that and talking with your vet about what antibiotics you're using. If you have a young animal with pneumonia and it's already seen penicillin and it's already seen LA-200 and then I show up, like, but and we haven't talked about it at all, like, I, you know... I have a few things on my truck that you can't just order, but I worry about showing the bugs all the cards, and then they're like, LOL, what are you going to do about it? So, yeah, that's, that's my deal there. Um, to administer those things and to administer some medications to ruminants, uh, you really need to have syringes and needles to give these things by injection because giving a good number of medications, like you can't give antibiotics to ruminants by mouth. All the bugs in the bacteria in, in the rumen are just going to chew up the antibiotics and I have absolutely no faith that any of the antibiotics are going to reach meaningful uh, plasma concentrations in the tissue that you want them to. So lots of times, if you, and this is another thing, if you have goats, you should feel comfortable giving injectable medications and ask your vet to teach you how. 
Um, one other injectable thing that's nice to have on hand and I believe is over the counter still is a B complex injectable. Uh, so that is a variety of B vitamins. Uh, one of them is thiamine and that can be important or at least useful to give in a supportive way at times. So that's a nice thing to have on hand. Um, other other emergencies um, can be like kidding or like supplies to have on hand for kidding. Like so, if you the like trauma can happen to any animal, pneumonia and infection can happen to any animal. Um, specifically, if you have pregnant does, you want to be ready for kidding, have things to have on hand for kidding, uh, OB lube, I get that stuff by the gallon. Um, there's a product out there called J lube, and I don't know, I think you probably can get it over the counter, but I would discourage anyone from having it ever. In vet school, I was scared off of it because if you get that if you so if you're using that for like a, a difficult kidding or a difficult calving um, and you put it in the uterus then you that's the only way that that calf is coming out because if the lube if the j lube gets into the abdomen it is toxic um, so i can't if there's j lube in the uterus, I can't cut the uterus in a C-section without being very afraid of getting J-lube into the abdomen, which is very likely going to kill the dam. So I don't, I don't know why J-lube's even a thing, to be perfectly honest. Um, just get the OB-lube by the gallon. I don't think it's expensive, maybe like five or ten bucks. Um, for kids, for neonatal kids, we like to have a bulb syringe, and uh, for umbilical dip, you can use that same either betadine or chlorhexidine solution, so not the scrub, the solution for dipping navels, um, and I like dental floss for tying off navels. There's like the little clips, and I don't know what else is out there, but I like the cheap uh, generic brand wax unscented dental floss for tying off umbilical cords. Um, other stuff that's useful to have, um, other things that happen commonly, uh, gastrointestinal stuff, so like diarrhea or vomiting. Um, diarrhea often in ruminants, I mean, can be due to intestinal parasites probably more commonly in my experience is due to some kind of dietary indiscretion or feed change or something um, and some supportive care for that is not inappropriate um, I tend to have big old bottles of Pepto-Bismol in my cupboard and the farm at home and um how are you going to administer that? You really should have like a reusable drenching syringe. So that's like a big 30 or 60 milliliter plastic reusable syringe with usually with a metal tip that's curved. So you can suck up whatever it is you want to give and then you can give it by mouth without the thing breaking, hopefully. 
Um, other things that are good to have on hand, uh, propylene glycol or Nutridrench. So propylene and propylene glycol is like one of the main ingredients in Nutridrench and that's because it is a glucose precursor for ruminants. Um, they make it into glucose pretty quickly and that helps get their sugar up. If you have like a ketotic animal or an animal that's not eating, you got to get some kind of sugar into it so it stays alive um so propylene glycol typically available in like five gallon or not five gallon in gallon jugs and pretty cheap uh has other stuff in it probably like i don't know molasses because it's like molasses colored and minerals and some of my goats absolutely will like bowl you over like a zombie to get to the Nutri-Drench and then other goats of mine think I'm trying to poison them with the Nutri-Drench so you know it can be like a nice fun treat for them or it can be that you're trying to kill them but usually when you give it it's because you're worried about not eating and low blood sugar um what else uh cmpk can be given orally um it can be given intravenously by a vet uh but also uh cmpk is uh, often like in a bit of some kind of dextrose or sugar solution can be given by mouth and that stands for calcium magnesium phosphorus potassium uh so that's that can be nice to have on hand all of those things those minerals are absorbed orally too so um, that can be an effective way to get some extra calcium into an animal or get some extra magnesium or potassium or whatever it is they need uh, and also, last oral thing on my list is activated charcoal, um, which can be useful in toxicity situations, which usually end up with a vomiting animal. So this is like a goat that got into the azalea bush, or I don't know. We had some kids last year, or not last year, a few years ago. They got into something. I don't know what it was, because we don't have any rhododendrons or azaleas around, but we had a few, a few pukers and... Uh, I think they got into something outside. They all did fine. They were sad for a few days. Um, but uh, toxin exposure typically is going to be like repeated doses of activated charcoal often because they get it down there and then they throw a whole bunch of it back up and it gets real messy. Um, so those are the things that... I think are a good idea to have on hand. I think I went over all of them. Oh, you know what? (laughs) The, like, number one most important thing that you should have if you are a goat owner. And this also goes back to, like, episode two or three when I talked about signalment and what you should tell me on the phone. Please, 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 if you have a goat, have a thermometer. You are going to want to take your goat's rectal temperature. This is like a very valuable piece of information. And I cannot tell you how much happier I am at 9 o'clock on Saturday night when you call me with a goat and you're like, this goat isn't acting right. And you can follow that statement up with, and its temperature is 105 versus me having to ask, what's its temperature? And you say, I don't know. I don't have a thermometer. So please, 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 for the love of your goats, 
have a thermometer have more than one thermometer have like different kinds of thermometers have a glass thermometer i like the glass old school ones because in the winter the digital ones they sit in my barn and they get cold and i don't think they read right when they're cold so like have a digital one have a glass one have one in the barn have two or three in the house they're like two dollars each guys if you're not having a thermometer for your goats I'm making a face right now. Please, please, please have a thermometer or like five for your goats. And that is the last thing on my list. Uh, I hope this was helpful and happy one year anniversary to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Uh, come find me on the interwebs and say hi and happy one year old. Um, and I think that's it for the moment. I still have other things that I recorded like over a month ago that I haven't had time to finish editing. I will get them out there someday, but that's going to do it for the moment. And I will talk to you guys next time.